All right, we're done. <laughs> yeah, well, my house is too small. You would fill it up. Anyway, um, my name's Kevin. I am the student ministries director. I love hanging out with middle school and high school kids, and you as well. Um, so thank you. Like Ben was saying, your support of Highlands allows me to use my gifting in this community and so many others as well to make an impact for Jesus. So thank you. Um, so as I was trying to think through and pray through what God might have me share on this One Hit Wonder Sunday, uh, <laughs> there's no series, see, no decoration. Um, he said, hey, tell them something that I told you. So that's why we're looking at this parable of the great banquet or feast. Um, and that animation that you just saw is basically the entire scripture made a little bit more fun. Yes, I work with teenagers and younger than that now. And so some of today is geared towards you guys. So I'm sorry, older folk, you'll have to bear with the shenanigans. It's just going to be fun. So if we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then we should listen to what he said and maybe do something about it. And like I said, we're going to look at this parable of the great banquet. It is in Luke chapter 14. You can follow along or go look at it later. Um, and I like it because it's also appropriate for the holidays. I know some of you are like, eh, we're not there yet, Kevin. Um, but that's why I've got a Thanksgiving feast on the screen. Jesus went to parties and feasts, maybe not Thanksgiving, but he understands what that's like, and so do we, so we can relate. And by the way, um, I'm excited for Thanksgiving because I get deep-fried turkey. So good. I get to go see my brother and his family in Seattle, so... I know, I'm going to make you hungry this morning, talking about food before lunch, too. All right, so this great banquet parable has something for everyone. You can relate, I promise you. Whether you are like the host, and maybe you've sent out invitations to a party, a wedding, a birthday, I don't know. Um, if you are like one of the guests and you've received an invitation, you've said yes or no, you've gone to a party, maybe you've been on the outside of a party, hoping that you would have gotten an invitation, but you didn't. You are somewhere in the parable. And I pray that God would help you to see and relate with one of his characters. So with that, let's pray and we'll get in. Lord, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the way in which you speak to us through this book called the Bible, God, your word. And more than that, God, how we sang earlier, we invite you through your Holy Spirit to fill this room, fill your house today, now, but also even beyond here as we'll get to. Um, God, may you speak and challenge us and remind us of your great love for all of us and others this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, in Luke chapter 14, before Jesus tells this parable, go figure, Jesus is at a party, a dinner party with a bunch of religious people. And they're talking about what life should look like as they follow the one true God. Sometimes they call that being a part of the kingdom of God because if you're following the king, you're in his kingdom, and that's part of following Jesus or God, the one true God. And... Another thing that they're also talking about, so this parable has so many different meanings, but they're also talking about the future, like life after death, like heaven. So 
Jesus is telling this parable for both now and for the future, what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. And like I said already, find yourself in the story. Relate with one of the the characters. Or maybe you relate outside somehow, but find yourself in Jesus' words. That's how God speaks to us. So Luke chapter 14, it begins, 16 and 17. Um, A certain man, Jesus says, was preparing a great banquet, invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. So if we draw this picture or paint this scene, what this feast might look like, it's like inviting a bunch of people to Thanksgiving dinner. And some of us might invite huge people, you know, huge numbers of people. And if we do, we probably want to know, like Jill did for the Christmas decoration, how many people are going to be here so I know how much food to prepare. So the master sends out all these invitations and gets them all back probably a month or two months in advance. And he probably does it by word of mouth, not necessarily by paper. Oh, I forgot. I'm going to a wedding and this is my invitation for this weekend. Good friends. Ah, whatever. (laughs) Missed opportunity. That's all right. You want to know a head count so that you can prepare. And now that's all taken place. And the master, the host says, hey, dinner is finally ready. Back then, sometimes dinner would have taken a long time to prepare for reasons I'm going to get to in just a minute. But now that it's ready, that means it's time for the guests to show up. It's time to party. It's time to eat. Now, the size of this feast is something that we need to look at. And it's really important because back then is not like today. In Jesus' day, people didn't have freezers and refrigerators. They didn't have grocery stores where they can go and pick up the chicken that's already cooked at Albertsons for five bucks. They didn't have caterers necessarily to help them. Yeah, the neighbors would probably come over and help, but um, they had to eat what they killed, and they only wanted to kill as much as they needed because the rest of it would go to waste. And so when someone put on a big party, that response to the invitation is rather important so that they're not wasteful, but also, I mean, it's kind of like a commitment. This is a big deal. So how big was this party? Well, I'm going to show you some animals and how many people they might feed for dinner. This is one of those teenage things. (laughs) But I promise, it actually is kind of fun. So I'm going to show you an animal, and you can talk amongst yourselves and take a guess of how many. You probably know better than I do. I didn't do 4-H or FFA or any of that. How many people these animals would feed for dinner? So the first one, it's a chicken. I already talked about that. Albertsons, five, six bucks, right? You can feed maybe four or five people for dinner with the chicken, right? Depends on the size. Depends on who's there. Sometimes it'll be like two, two men, right? <laughs> All right. So the next one, our Thanksgiving Day turkey. I know, right? All these pictures. Um, I put down here, if it's a 20-pound turkey... It'll probably feed 15 or 16 people. That sounds fair? Okay, good. See, you know better than I do. Now, moving on up the chain. What about a lamb? 
Hmm. If you had a 90-pound lamb, Google says that you could probably feed 60 to 70 people. That's a lot of people. Moving on up. What about my friend? (laughs) The pig. If you had a 200-pound pig, you might be able to feed 200, 220 people. That reminds me of a giant uh, Hawaiian luau where they bake it in the ground, you know? I know, I'm making you hungry. The 11 o'clock is going to die of hunger. (laughs) And so finally to our big one, the cow. For an average 1,250-pound cow, you can get 1,400 hamburgers. And I did that by like half pound, I don't know. Um, that's crazy. So this banquet was probably cow-sized feast. Yeah, that's a lot of people. This is a big party with thousands of people hopefully coming. And everything is ready, so party on, people. Here we go. Let's see how the story continues. Luke chapter 14, 18. They all alike, the guests, began to make excuses. Not just one of the guests, not just like five out of the thousand, all thousand of them began to make excuses to skip out on this feast. If you were the host, how would you feel? So imagine you're hosting your wedding, whether it was big or small. Let's say 100 people RSVP'd yes. And on the day of your wedding, Like hours before you walk down the aisle, 25 of them say, oh yeah, we're not coming. Or they just don't show up. So 25%. Um, If it was five, you might understand. If there was like crazy traffic and an accident on the way, you might understand for some of that. But like 25 out of 100, that's a lot of people not to show up to a wedding. If 100 of them didn't show up to your wedding, no one Something is going on here. And that's a sermon for another time. (laughs) Uh, It really is that I could do that. But so they are trying to shame this host. The original guests are. And so the host has right to be angry. A thousand people said they were coming. He killed a giant bull and now no one's there to eat it. Well, what does the master do? Verse 21, of course, the owner was angry. The owner of the house became angry. He prepared a crazy big feast. All of the guests have rude excuses even. So let's look at a few of those excuses that they give. And some of them are a little more understandable, but for time's sake, I really do got to do this fast. The first one, I have to go and check a field I just purchased. Um, All of you, unless you're like five years or younger, probably think it's a good idea to go and look at a house before you buy it, right? (laughs) That makes sense. Thank you. Thank you. So, So that's what's going on here. This person says, um, I spent a bunch of money on this field. It's like the, I got to go wash my hair excuse. Um, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if it's going to do anything good for my crops next year. So I'm going to go check that out. 
Okay, is the field there tomorrow? Yes. You should just go to the party. Even if you had to walk for two days to get to the field, it can wait. You should just go to the party. That's just kind of a lame excuse. The second excuse in the parable, these are just examples, by the way, is I have to go try out some new John Deere tractors. (laughs) Um, So would you buy a used tractor or car without test driving it? No, that doesn't make any sense either. And by the way, if this almost sundown, because it took all morning to prepare the feast, are you going to get much done as a farmer when the sun's going down? I know we have lights today, but back then they worked in the morning. And so this is even more insulting. I have to go check out some cows that aren't going to do anything for me right now because I just don't really want to come to your feast. All right, lame and insulting. The last excuse, uh, the too much information excuse. Some translations of this uh, say it two different ways. Some say, I'm married like I'm already married. And some say, I just got married. So we can understand if you just got married, maybe that you want to spend time with your spouse. Uh, But still, you said yes to this party. Bring your spouse along. Don't just go home and have fun. Come on. (sighs) This is very disappointing for the host. The host has every right to be angry. And so he does the next best thing. Luke 14, 21. He orders his servants to go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. So I've invited all the great people. None of them want to be here. So go and bring in all the outcasts of town instead. These people according to the Old Testament of Scripture, most of them would have been considered unclean, which meant that they were supposed to stay on the edges of the city. They weren't allowed to be part of worship at the temple. They were not allowed to really be part of the community until they were healed or better and then approved by a priest. So this this guy is almost risking his reputation now and saying, look, I want all of these people who don't deserve to be here to be here. And one of the greatest things about that is that it's almost saying, hey, I think that they're going to appreciate it more than the rest of these religious people would have anyway. So have you ever interacted, though, with an ex-convict or a deathly ill and contagious person, someone who has autism or um, mental trouble? Um, What about some of the homeless in our city? These are the people today that would maybe fit into those categories of outcasts that this banquet is now being said, come on in. It'd be hard to invite some of those people to a birthday party or wedding when we don't know them. But Jesus is saying that his kingdom is open to even those people. It is open to all people. It's for everyone to enjoy and participate. Those guests who gave excuses, they thought that they were too good and had better things to do. So the host lets them go their own way and says, I'm going to let people enjoy this party who will actually appreciate it. And so with that, Jesus is teaching all of us that all people, 
both the good ones and the bad ones, the average and the successful, the put together and the beautiful and the socially awkward and sick, the broken, the sinful, whoever they are, all people are invited to his banquet feast in the kingdom. All are invited to participate in this new life that Jesus brings. We're all invited. So no matter who you are, whether you're successful or not, whether you've been, you know, um, a beautiful person or not, smart, athletic, young, old, Jesus invites you to be part of his great banquet in the kingdom. Will you accept his invitation and come to his party? So there's still more, and this is some of my favorite parts. Luke 14, 22. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered as far as bringing in all these outcasts has been done, but there is still room. So the master told the servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. So the servant brought in all the local people who were uninvited, and now the master is saying, hey, there's still more cow to eat. Go out as far as you can and get people in here. The host wants his feast to be fully enjoyed, none of it wasted. And so after inviting, like I said, all of the locals, this, this servant now has to go out and meet strangers. And I'm assuming that if they had this many people, that there's probably a two or a three cow-sized feast, not just a one cow feast. And so this servant needs to compel people in, compelling people to participate in God's kingdom life does not mean forcing people. God is not in the business of forcing people to know him or to come to salvation or trust him or even forcing people to obey him. That's not God's way. Rather, God asks his servant to compel people to come and enjoy the banquet because the servant has already seen and experienced the banquet. The party is that cool, people, that we should be excited to bring people in. So I scan through my junk spam mail folder email once in a while and read all those great letters that, hey, I've got all this money to send you if you send me your bank account information. <laughs> and people out in the countryside in this parable are going to think the same thing. This ain't real. I'm going to follow you, and when we get around the corner, you're going to rob me blind. And so the servant has to find a unique way to compel people to come to this party. That comes because the servant's been there and seen it and experienced it. So Jesus' invitation to participate in God's kingdom is real. It's not a practical joke. It's not a scam. The celebration is ready to be enjoyed and Jesus wants us to compel people with our own experience of what that kingdom life is like. Not to force them in, but to show them how awesome the party really is. So if God's kingdom is like a great feast, Jesus invites us to bring others into it. So don't give excuses. Accept the invitation and compel others to join. 
because there is still room. And I want you to say that with me so that we learn it today. Would you say it with me? There is still room. I know, one more time to get it sunk in. There is still room for you and for everyone else at God's banquet feast. So I have three short lessons, although there's so many more that I'd love to wrap today up with. First, don't give excuses and miss out on the kingdom feast. Let's not be like those guests who got so busy with their lives, like it said in the little video, the ox guy didn't know what he was missing. There's nothing better than being and living life with Christ. So what excuses are you giving God for not attending his feast? I know sometimes that might just be the busyness of life. Sometimes that would maybe be, you know, being bogged down by our own shame and our own guilt. Maybe instead it's simply just, I don't know, um, that we're not even paying attention. Jesus' parable says the excuses maybe will cause more trouble in the end. So for you teenagers, maybe we'll just work on excuses in general. Don't give excuses to mom and dad for homework and for not doing the chores and all those things. Besides, God says, honor your parents because it's going to go better for you anyway. Maybe some of us are in the the just married idea, and we want to have fun right now instead of giving our lives to follow Jesus because that doesn't sound like as much fun. We got to follow all those rules. Don't give excuses. You're missing out on the greatest adventure you could ever have. I encourage you to come with Guatemala with us, and I'll prove it to you. And adults, let's not let our success or achievement consume our attention to the point that we miss out on living this great party every day with Jesus. The King of Kings invites us to join him, to live by his Spirit every moment. If we put that as our priority, our life is going to have an amazing, adventurous story with him. So, no excuses. Second, we're all invited we're all invited, each and every one of us, no matter who, how, who we are, how good, how bad, whatever we've done, everyone, including the people that we don't like, are invited to be part of this kingdom. So if you've never accepted Jesus' invitation to new life with him, talk with God and ask him to change your heart and your mind to trust him in the hard things and to trust that he's taken away sin and the punishment of death that goes with it. And he'll give you strength to live out this amazing life with him. No excuses, accept the invitation. And finally, for those of us that are part of the kingdom, let's not have a party. We have an amazing life, people, with Christ. He has transformed us. So let's show the world and compel them by our stories and our lives of the great news and this feast that we're living out. And maybe we don't feel like we're living it out right now. So then we need to go and sit at the feast and enjoy it a little bit more before we go out to the countryside and invite more people in. We're not forcing people to join us. We want them to see how cool it is and want to join it for themselves.
So let's share what he has done and compel them to come in. Jesus, again, invites us to participate in his great kingdom. Don't give any excuses. Accept the invitation and compel others to come because there is still room for more in his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that Jesus gave us this great picture of what life with you now and forevermore is like. God, help us not to give excuses that take us away from life with you. God, for those of us who don't know you or have a hard time uh, trusting in you along the way, would you remind us of how cool this invitation is that we get to have this great party with you every day, even if we're going through hard times and whatnot. God, you are always there saying, hey, I've got you, I care about you, and here's another party for you to go to. God, I also pray for all of us that know you, that you would make it clear by your Holy Spirit where we've seen you do amazing things so that we can share that with our friends, our neighbors, even the people that we haven't met yet. God, so that they can be invited in to your big kingdom feast so that there'd be more joy and more partying all because of you. So God, be with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.